Welcome to the Pick Truth Podcast, where we read confessions that people send us or that we find online and rate them based on their level of heat. A truth can range from a bell pepper to a Carolina Reaper. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Pick Truth. I'm your host, Dr. Vicki Harris. I'm here with my co-host. Lamont Hearn Jr. And we're here to bring the truth. All right. It feels like it's been a week, but I don't know. It was been a quick week or a short week, but I feel like I just saw you. Yeah. Yeah. I believe, I think it might have something to do with the fact that the kids haven't been in school the entire week. So there's been a shortened week. So they've been home. And also, I think we did see each other. Was that Saturday? Oh, maybe so. That might be why. That might be why. Yeah. Maybe so. I think that's because it feels like a deja vu. I was like, I feel like I was just here, <laughs> but not in this seat, but I was here. So, so uh, how has your, your past week been? Uh, it's been pretty good. Just going through work like, like a normal week and... Just look, uh, the kids recently had their parent-teacher parent conferences, which I thought was really interesting. And uh, I was speaking with your husband earlier, and we were talking about how similar the conversations were that all the things that our kids do at home, they don't necessarily do at school. Mm-hmm. Like, they're a lot more reserved and, you know, I guess doing the things that we expect them to do in school. And I guess we get all that, uh, like, overflow of energy when they get home. So that's really just been it for me. How about yourself? Yeah, I have to say, I think the reason why the kids act like that is because they feel safe at home. Mm. I mean, I, not that they don't feel safe elsewhere, right? but they know that there's a level of love and protection that they get from home. So it's easier for them to act a fool at home. But uh, it's those kids that have no outlet at home and then go to school and are crazy disruptive that you have to look at. But that's just my opinion. I don't teach. So I just (laughs) making it up based on my own personal uh, experience. But okay, but for my week, um it's been a it's been a week. I am uh starting to see opportunities for improvement uh in my current area. So how we carry those out in such a way that we're efficient would be great and there's that. And then I've been uh, working out more recently mm-hmm. and it's wearing me out. I thought it was supposed to give you more energy, but what happens is by 9.15, my body's like, okay, thank you. Thank you for participating today. <laughs> uh, your efforts have been duly noted, but uh, go to bed. Mm. So uh, other than that, I've been really good. Everything is really, I have nothing to complain about. Everything is pretty much great but it's just the way my my mindset is though yeah my mindset is just grateful even in the the moments that i don't necessarily like but evaluating okay what what can i be grateful for it just helps me to stay focused and if i'm brainwashing myself then so be it because a girl needs her brainwashed and if that's what it is that's what it is so (laughs) but uh yeah this week i think i think our topic is going to be Grief, yeah, our uh, truths kind of circle around uh, grief. People experience grief in many different ways, in many different forms, over many different reasons. Yeah, um, 
There's grief from the death of a loved one. There's grief from a loss of a job or a significant other. Um, There's so many different reasons why people have grief and how they deal with them are all different. This one is about grief, but it has a a bit of a twist. Mm. So I'm going to read my my first truth. That's okay. All right. Let's go. It's titled, I told everyone my 20-year-old son suddenly died from a heart defect. In reality, he overdosed on heroin. My son was like a shining star as he grew up. He got perfect grades, was good looking and popular, was one of the best athletes in his grade. Being 6'5 helps with that. Had an internship at a prestigious workplace at a young age and got into an amazing college. By all metrics, I couldn't have asked for a better son. He was kind to everyone, went out of his way to help people who were struggling, made seemingly all the right choices in his life. His mother died early from alcoholism, and it was tough for him. He came out on top and went off to college after his first year. He became back a heroin user. I don't know how, but he came to me and asked for help, saying he needed to go to rehab. I couldn't even comprehend. He was telling me my son needed to go to rehab. I didn't really understand it. I almost thought he was joking. He said that at college, he had started to party a lot, and he was taking Xanax and painkillers at parties with his friends. He just told me that he liked the feeling of the painkillers too much, and he wanted more. And eventually, he tried heroin. He was crying and apologizing and telling me he was going to get clean, and then we could both forget about it. I promised him we would keep it a secret. I moved to Boston, and we were far away from any family who might find out, so it was easy keeping it a secret. But he didn't get clean when he went. He was clean for maybe three days before I found him in his room high as a kite. I wasn't mad. I still had the mindset that he was such a good, strong kid, and that he could get through this and that this was just a bump on the road. I don't know how I could even be so arrogant. About a year went by, he relapsed, got sober, relapsed again. It was just a year of torment and anguish and horror. And as I had to see him go down this road of his self-destruction and pain, our relationship grew strained. It hit a point where he just admitted to me that he didn't want to get sober anymore and that there was no point. And at that point, he became more hostile to my attempts to get him sober. I felt that if I kicked him out, there was no hope for him. So I let him try to get sober in maybe four or five months of giving up completely. And he was sober for three weeks. I was so proud. I thought all hope was lost, but he was doing surprisingly well. And then he relapsed and died. I found him overdosed in his room. It was the worst moment of my life to find that. It has been a year and I still have trouble even thinking about it. Here is where the lie comes in. When my mother, who is 84, asked what happened, she adored him. The day of, I told her that he had a heart defect and died. I didn't have the guts to tell her he was an addict. She would have fainted. 
I figured I would tell the others about his actions, but before I could, she spread the news of how he died to just about everyone. I got caught in the lie and I was so struck by grief that I couldn't bear to tell people the truth. I just told them he plopped dead from sudden cardiac arrest due to a heart defect. It's been a year and everyone still thinks that, except for me and the people he knew really closely. None of his family thinks he was an addict. So before I directly address the truth, our topic today is grief, right? And being that that is the case, it's it's hard to judge grief, as you said, because so many people deal with it in different ways. So it's, it's, it's kind of multi-layered for me. So I just want to preface what I'm going to say with that. My initial thought was, why didn't you just say what happened? But that was me thinking of how I normally process things is just say what happened that way people know when you're not living with this burden of making up a story but then again I had to pull back and think of it in the context of him dealing with this grief and dealing with the you know the the back and forth of his son coming out of his haze of dealing with his issues and falling back into them and that back and forth and that back and forth. And as someone who's dealt with loved ones dealing with those type of issues before, it's it's hard. It's very hard to be in the midst of those kind of things and then lose them to that and, you know, kind of process your own emotions with it. I, I, I would have to say it's probably a poblano because it is gonna, it probably is gonna irritate others. Um, hearing that. But at the same time, it's hard for me to put anything more to that because I don't know the grief of this father and how he was trying to deal with that moment. So I'm still trying to process that one still. It's kind of heavy. Yeah, it, it is pretty heavy. And I think that you said something that I agree with. We process grief very differently and everyone has a different way. And I think oftentimes we do think there's a wide or correct way to grieve. If that happened to me, I'd be like this. If if that was me, I'd be uh. I think that it's very easy for us to put ourselves in other people's shoes. And we often do. Like, oh, he didn't look sad enough for me or she didn't look like she cared enough. But we don't know what they feel, period. And that just because they didn't manifest their grief in a way that that reflects what I think grief should look like does uh doesn't mean that their grief isn't valid or 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 we make these the best decisions in the midst of grief. So to this truth, I don't know. This is one that gets me. So uh, everyone out there and that's listening, all my good friends out there, I am one of those people that wants to know how someone died, but I don't know why. Mm. So when someone passed, especially if they're young, I'm always like, oh, well, here recently is like, oh, was it COVID? You know, was it this? Was it that? And I'm always, I don't ask. I never ask because it's nothing about business. Like what difference does it make how they passed? Right. They passed. But I'm a human being and I'm curious. Like, you know, why did someone so young pass? There's right. something that we can learn from this. Or, you know, well, you know, go get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know, don't play in the dumpster. Whatever the case may be. But I think there's that piece that... You don't want to sully the name of the dead. You don't want to talk about, you know, what happened to end it their life because it's not going to have any bearing on them coming back. So it's no one else's business. 
So it's kind of going down for a bell pepper a little bit. Although I would ask, I would ask, mm-hmm. I would, or I'll be honest, I would want to ask. Right. But I probably wouldn't just, mm-hmm. just to give people space. But when you're dealing with grief and I, I pray, I never know what he experienced or felt or what he was going through. It's it's a bell pepper. I, it's no one else's business. But I also think you need to be authentic with your word. I think partly you were ashamed that your son had this problem, which I think is reasonable. I think it's reasonable that we get embarrassed by our children or ashamed by some of their actions mm-hmm. to think that, okay, what did I do? What was my role in this? Right. And, and some folks will separate themselves. I didn't do anything. I was this. I was perfect. I was this. Well, maybe you were, maybe you weren't. Maybe you were perfect for them. It was just <laughs> that one thing that you had no idea as a trigger because you didn't go to their sixth grade science fair. And now you hate it. You hate them. You had they had a terrible childhood. I mean, everybody's different. Yeah, but, no, but, I agree. But yeah, I would. I would go with Poblano. I would. In this case, I would give him the all break. All he's been trying to hide it for a year, almost like he's honoring his son. I'm not saying that he is. Right. But maybe in his head, and I'm just stepping in. Maybe he feels like he's honoring his son by protecting him. From like a blemished, image. yeah, a blemished reputation. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Recently, um, my wife and I were watching a show called The Last OG, starring Tracy Morgan and Tiffany Haddish. Mm-hmm. On uh, it comes on TBS. It's uh, done by Monkey Paw Productions, which is Jordan Peele's production company. Same ones who did Us and uh, Get Out. And it's it's a comedy show. And just to make it quick, uh, Tracy Morgan's character, uh, his name is Trey. He's dating a, uh, Tiffany Haddish's character named Shay. He sells heroin. Um, he says he's going to stop. One day he gets a contact by a friend named Wavy, who's played by Malik Yoba of uh, New York Undercover fame. Anyone from the early you know, the 90s, you'll know what I'm talking about. Other people. I, um, I guess Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married might be the most thing you might know. But um, he gets arrested. He goes to jail for 15 years. He gets out and Shay's mother passes. So as we've been watching the show, we find out Shay's mother used to be on crack. And when she passes, he goes to the funeral and Shay's remarried a whole nine. Obviously, he's been gone for 15 years. So Shay has changed her life. They grew up in the project. She now lives in a gentrified area of the Bronx. Her family, she's kind of been removed from them based on her lifestyle, and her fam- family's giving her a hard time at the service, saying that she's a deadbeat daughter, that she abandoned her mother, that her mother needed her, all these different things. But they never really talk about what her mother's true reason for passing was. And Trey knew. So at the funeral service, everyone's just giving Shay a hard time, and he stands up and goes, her mother was a crackhead. And he talks about how it wasn't that Shay left her. He talks about all the things that impacted Shay's life throughout those years while her mother was on those drugs as a child. And it, it kind of correlated for me in the story. Obviously, we're talking about a parent being on the drugs on this TV show versus the confession being the, the son. But she didn't want to speak up because she felt like it was, I guess, dishonoring her mother. Because, you know, like they say, we don't want to speak ill of the dead. But I guess Trey saw the pain she was being put through and the vitro she was getting and kind of laid that information out there. And I don't know if in some way the father may have felt the same way that Shay did in the show, where it was like, like you said, you don't want to put that out there and everyone's just going to be like, well, 
this is what you get when you live that way. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what that made me think of. Yeah, I wonder if you get less sympathy yeah. or emotional connection from folks if if you didn't die an honorable death. You know, and right. it sounds so Viking and, and ridiculous, yeah. but in this guy's case, maybe he felt that way. Yeah. And I don't know. But I have a question for you when it comes to grief. Mm-hmm. Grief. How long is too long? See, I, that's that's hard. I don't think there's I don't think there's really a measure for that for me. Personally, I don't I don't think that there is a way to measure that because I don't think that it's for me to decide for a person. Um, and even for myself, I can't even say because I feel like I've grieved over different things at different time limits. Um, and none of them have been like chosen. It kind of just, you know, you, you kind of on some things I've woken up one day and I'm just not necessarily I don't care, but I'm at a place of peace with it. And there are some things that still to this day bother me. Like there are there are times I can I can be out and I think we were uh, we walked past an arcade and I saw Miss Pac-Man game system and it made me think of my grandmother. And it brought back some of the the good moments that we had, but it also made me feel sad. So in a way, that was still a form of grief. Now, it didn't leave me, you know, bedridden or anything like that. But I, I think with that, that's one of those things that kind of just sticks with me. So I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to be controversial. Okay. F- a few weeks back, we had a bonus episode. And on the bonus episode, I think it was the episode where the husband was grieving over his dead mistress. Yeah. Is it situational? Do you still think that level of grace is extended? And even in those situations like that, when someone's grieving? Wow. Yeah, that's that's a... I feel like that one, even even now, that one was such a, a hard plate to me. Because like we said, we talked about the fact that, you know, we kind of went around that one a couple of times and talked about it. And I don't know. I really don't know because that one's so difficult. I feel like that's one that we almost would have to uh, send out to the to the listeners to kind of get their opinions on it. Because I don't know. I don't really have a true answer. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I think that in general, if you need to grieve, take as long as you need. Mm. But grieve. Right. Uh, don't pretend like it's not happening. Feel it. If you go ahead and this is a... I am not a medical doctor or any profession, but if you go ahead and let yourself feel the worst of it, the the all the entire pain of it for 72 hours, let yourself feel it. Your body will, that's the peak. If you let it happen, if you keep bottling it up and going to go do something and tying your shoes and sweeping up the floor and you're not dealing with your feelings, it just lingers. I'm not saying in 72 hours, someone's dead, like, ah, that was good. It's needed a good night's sleep. But what I'm saying is that the extent of the pain, the the the, the peak of your pain right. would be within that 72 hours. Mm. And to allow yourself to feel the peak of that pain so that you can start to grieve. It's okay that you're sad and mad and hurt and that you have a, a, a flood of emotions and feelings. I think that's okay. And I think that it's it's like when someone passes that was sick, yeah, where you are devastated that someone that you love is no longer on this plane, but you're also happy that they're no longer in pain. Right, right. I think that there's so many, and there's so many different. So I would agree, there's no time. But when we when we go back to that story with the uh, the confession 
of the husband who who was crying over his mistress, for me, I'd never agreed to sign up for that. I don't care how good I am. I am not equipped mm. for that type of uh giving spirit. You come in here crying because your uh, mistress is dead. I can't, I'm not going to have as much compassion for you as if it was your brother, mama, sister, cousin. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But yeah, oh, my my side thing, my, my side thing is, I, I can't, I will be honest, like, in theory, I would hope I could apply this across the board. Take all the time you need. I love you. You love, here, feel the love energy. But if you come in there and talk about, you know, it, it was... Verlene is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to anyone named Verlene, my bad. There's probably three. Uh, <laughs> and after they named after they, uh, Daddy Virgil. Right. Uh, so, uh, Virgil, get your Daddy Virgil. So, at any rate, so I, that was my story for grief. In my opinion, there's no time. There's no right or wrong. I'm just curious. I wonder if anyone else... I'm going to ask you... When people post how people like people pass, do you ever wonder how did they die? Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'd be lying to say I, I don't. I mean, like you said, I don't go asking. I mean, but I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, whether it's the person who they'll post something about them passing or they'll say this person was too young or this person's never done anything. You know, those type of things do, I mean, unfortunately, they kind of pique my interest. I, now, I've never really delved into it too deep. Now, if it's someone who is a little bit more known, maybe, because sometimes that information is kind of just provided mm -hmm. in there, so you can you don't really have to go searching too far to find it. But yeah, I have, for sure. All right. You want to go to your truth for this episode? Yes. All right. My truth for this week is titled... I'm having an abortion. I'm so sorry. My husband and I have been trying to have a baby for six months, actually a little more, without any luck. We went to the doctors and they said nothing was wrong and that we should keep trying. So we did. Unfortunately, about six weeks ago, my husband died in a car accident on his way home from work. It was so heartbreaking, so much so that I literally cannot put it into words. I've been feeling sick all this week. I usually feel nauseous before I have my period, so it wasn't unexpected. Plus, I've been feeling a lot of things since he passed. It seems like it has been years since I was with my husband, so at first it didn't occur to me that I might be pregnant. The feelings of sickness persisted, so eventually I took a pregnancy test. It came back positive. I know how sweet it sounds to say that I could raise his baby and love it the same way that I loved him. But I can't. I thought about it a lot, and I can't do it alone. It's too much. Honey, I'm so sorry, but I just can't do it without you. Man, we out here glooming and dooming. Like, we out here sad today. Yeah, heavy, heavy. Like, dang, I, 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 need, a, I need a second to process that. Wow. Yeah. Because there's so much there. But who gets to tell someone else how, oh, my goodness, you just did a landmine. There's the abortion. There's death. There's all kinds of stuff in here. Yo, and I want to tread lightly. Yeah, this one's gonna. I can. This one, even when I read it uh, or was researching it, rather, the first thing I thought is this one's gonna be tough because there's gonna be so many people who are gonna be conflicted on so many varying points to this story. So I was like, I have to read this one in our grief topic for sure. Yeah, uh, it is conflicting. All right, so gut. Let me start with where where I live at in my gut. My in instant thing was, yikes. 
man, actually, my it was yikes. Like, I don't even want to be in that position. Holy crap. It depends on where you sit on abortion, on what that truth is for you. Mm. If you are anti-abortion, the fact that someone is uh, having an abortion for the their deceased spouse, somebody out here is thinking, I would have that baby. I would love it and hug it and worship it. And well, maybe not worship, but I would do everything I can right. to preserve the legacy of my husband. While others are on her board, but like, yo, I can't do this alone. I don't think that anyone would be wrong in their decision-making for their life. Hmm. We don't know what she's going through. I can't imagine. Couldn't imagine. I got two kids that are already out here and my husband gone. Now, I can't push them back in. I can't abort them. That's called murder. Right. Post, uh, what's it called? Abortions is called murder. So let's not, <laughs> let's not do that. But I, golly, it's, it's her truth. If I'm judging your truth, I, I, I gotta actually look at the scale. It's a poblano for me. Mm. The truth could irritate others. Mm-hmm. The other uh, ratings will be a jalapeno, spicy truth, a Thai chili, WF, what WTF I'm judging you, and Reaper, take this to your deathbed. I could see in some social circles, she needed to take it to her deathbed. Yeah. That some of our more enlightened folks would shun her uh, for being a murderer. Right. Gosh, that, I'll give it a poblano. Your truth could irritate others. Yo, I keep saying wow and yikes because. What would you do? Well, you don't have that option. I mean, like... Well, it- I, well, believe it or not, so what I did was I actually put myself in a similar concept. Except instead of it being her dying that way, I thought of it just in the context of how would I feel if if I were to... Let's say my wife was giving birth and she died on the table. And her dying on the table, my child survived. And I remember actually in in full transparency, I remember before we had our first child, um, I explained to my wife that for me, I wanted her to be as safe as possible. Everything we could do. I said, I need you to come back out here. Your your parents entrusted me with you to come back out here. So uh, for me, that was pretty heavy. And at that time, I really did have to go through that thought process. Initially, um, as they go to prep and do everything, they have they had me sitting outside. So I was alone and I know she was getting prepped and everything. And they're going through the whole process. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, on the other side of this door is a life-changing event. It's possible that some one of these two may not make it out of this room. And how do I handle that? If it's if it's the baby, of course, then I have to figure out how to deal with my own emotions and then deal with what my wife is going through by trying to support her, but also giving her the space to deal with it and how she has to. The other part was, I'll admit, the more scary part to me was what happened if I lost her on that table. And then there's this child here that it doesn't get a chance to ever get to know its mother. And how do I go about explaining that? How do I go about discussing that? How do I inform my child of what happened without making my child feel like they're to blame? Mm. 
And that's what, that was the closest comparison I could get to this story. And it was heavy for me. It was really heavy for me. Like it had me, you know, kind of thinking, how would that kid feel? You know, when you tell them this, that kid may take that and be like, well, it's my fault that my mom's not here. And in this case, obviously for the lady, you know, it's not necessarily the same, but she was dealing with the pain of looking at this child going, this child will always remind me of their father. I'll see their father, especially if they have any of his mannerisms or any of his facial features, they smile the same. So she may be seeing it that way and she may be afraid of the pain it may cause her to see them. But on that same token, I had to take it in for myself in that similar situation was like, for me, I couldn't look at it and say, well, I would have given the kid up for adoption. Because obviously there's a difference between her birthing the child and the abortion in the story. And that was still just so heavy for me that I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't give up the child because then I would feel like I, this, this woman gave up her life to bring this child into the world and it was our child and I just passed it on. So it's, it's a lot. It's, it's really heavy for me. So what would you rate it? I'd still say it's a poblano because it is going to irritate others. Um, like you said, there's this measure of some people would say that this is a reaper, that you should take this to your deathbed and that this woman is everything but a child of God, you know, but I'm I'm not able to say just because how I feel like I would handle it. That's what I'm saying she should do because whatever you have to do for yourself is what you have to do. I couldn't imagine that situation. Like she said, she lost her husband in a car accident and, you know, she's going through the gestation and all these different things. And I can only imagine, I, I watched my wife go through two pregnancies and in watching her just go through those emotions and all those different things, just as it was, I give you all credit in general for even bringing kids into this world. So for her to even have to go through that battle of deciding to not, I'm, I'm hands off. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a Pobano. It could irritate others, but I have no strong dog on that fight. Yeah, it was it, that is an interesting look at grief because we often it we often associate it to death, but. This is a grief that's associated with death and life. Yeah. That the the life of this child, whether you see life at conception or not, mm. the life of this child that they strived for, yeah, uh, is in the balance. Or um, so it's a life and death and grief, and grief can come in so many different ways. And you you would hope. Like, I feel fat bad for her that she wanted to be pregnant for so long and then not be able to share that moment with someone she thought she'd spend the rest of her life with mm -hmm. has got to be a very difficult weight to carry. So I would say if anyone's out there grieving, again, I'm not a professional. I feel like I'm a professional at grieving. We've had a lot of death, but we're feel it, go get help with the counselor if you need it. Um, even if you, uh, well, depending on where you live, because I live in a metropolitan city, I know specifically of a member of the family who needed some help and couldn't afford it, but they were able to get uh, in a program that helped them with their grief. And it really was successful. Grief carries many different forms. It's okay it's okay that it takes you longer to to heal. Be glad that if you haven't suffered a great loss and you don't understand that that 
that swath of grief, that that pool of grief. Be glad. Be glad you don't know what it's like that you'll be grieving for the next six years over someone or the next two. Just be glad if you if you're questioning why someone is grieving longer than you expect them to and that you've never had a grief like that before. Be glad because you don't know what they're experiencing or what they're feeling. So. As always, I hope people get help if you need it. Talk to a friend. If you don't have a friend, I'm your friend. You can message us. We'll we'll message you back. We we read every single email over and over again because it makes us happy. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we'll be your friend. Yeah. But if nothing else, you know, that's a hard spot to be in. And this is when I used to see the world as very black and white. Mm-hmm. And this is all gray. Yeah. All gray. So anyway, that's all I got for this week's episode. What about you, Lamont? Anything else for before we uh, sign off? No, this one was a heavy one. I'll admit this one. It's, it's heavy. It's got me in a lot. It's got me in a lot of thought right now. It's really heavy. So no, nah, I don't have anything. Yeah. we, we Hopefully next week we're going to lighten it up because shoot. <laughs> we are grieving and sad right. more. Both of those truths were really hot. They were very, uh, hmm, trying to think of a good word. They were not, my mom died and I buried her on, you know, right. it wasn't that. There was no hint of slapstick or jovialness. Like it was all heavy. It was, yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, I don't know. But okay. I think that does it for this week's episode of Pick Truth. If you liked the episode, please send it to two friends. That's it. Stop what you're doing right now. Share it to two friends. Say, go ahead and listen to this podcast. Give it a shot. This is my friend, Lamont and Vicky. And sometimes they crack me up and sometimes they're poignant. Go ahead. Just go right now. Hold on. I'll wait for you. Okay. I was really waiting. Okay. That's enough. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Just in case. Maybe need to find a second person. Okay. Oh, there you go. I hope you send this to two friends. And you know what? Keep sending it to the same two friends every week until they start listening. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate that. Now that you've told your friends and, and you've sent it to two people, we appreciate it. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We also have a YouTube channel as well where we upload the audio. We also have Facebook clips that are there. You can also listen to the show directly through Facebook as well or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, including Pick Truth. Yes, uh, catch you next time. Later. We can't pick truth without you. Send us your truths at picktruthmail at post.com to see if you can bring the heat. <laughs>